Hey, good morning, everyone. Happy Mother's Day. How many of you got breakfast in bed this morning? None of you. Shame on you, children. Shame, shame, shame. It's too early. It's the 8.30 service. We are, uh, we are going through the book of Philippians, and uh, we're looking at this topic of overcoming. And um, today is, is a really neat uh, topic in, in, in what we're looking at today in, in chapter 3 of Philippians, written by the Apostle Paul. And um, what I love about this is, is Paul, if you look at his life, um, and you look at his life before Christ, um, it, it, it's, it's pretty interesting the type of person that, that Paul was. And Paul really based his whole life before Christ and what he did. And who he was. And his identity was in his performance. And how well and how perfect he could be religiously before God. Then he came to Christ. And he looks at all those things and he says, those things did not define who I was. I was totally wrong in my approach to how I tried to find and know God. And I think in our lives, if we're not careful because we live in a society that bases everything on performance. And, and I know for many of you here today, you maybe look at your past and you're like, man, I made so many mistakes. Or, or maybe you even, moms and dads, you, you, you look maybe at your kids and maybe, maybe they're not doing well right now or, or maybe they're struggling. And, and, and maybe a lot of that you blame on yourself. Like, man, I could have done things differently or, or I'm not happy about this situation. And, and, and we attach um, our worth to things. And we attach who we are in our identity by what, what we do. And boy, that is a, that's a dangerous place to live your life. And, and my prayer for you this morning as, as we dive into the word of God, um, for those of you that feel like failures or for those of you that, that are just struggling, for those of you that um, you listen to other people or you're on Facebook. And, and of course, we only, we only, post good things on Facebook, right? So sometimes you're scrolling through and you're like, man, all my friends are doing well and their kids, you know, are doing so well. And um, it was so funny. Um, we had to go down and, and uh, pick up Colby. He finished his first semester at, at college. Uh, he goes to a school just north of Pittsburgh. And we, we didn't take Colby home, though. He had to stay because he had a spring football game that he had to go to in uh, Windsor, Canada, which was kind of a neat experience. Uh, for him, but we were we were down there, and we had to run and get him something at at, at a store. So we're in this store, and this um, woman is in front of us, and um, the the guy that was t- you know taking her money and checking her on through just says, "How are you doing?" She goes, oh, "I'm doing great." You know, my daughter just graduated, and uh, she just went on for like five minutes about her daughter. And she's an aerospace engineer. She got a job. She works for, and, and we're, it's late at night. We're wanting to get through. I'm like, okay, the guy does not care about your daughter. Okay. Just check out. All right. And it's funny. And she was proud. And that's good. She was proud. That's good. But the guy never asked her, you know, she just wanted, she couldn't wait to tell everybody about how well her daughter does. And then sometimes we look at that or we look at Facebook or we, and we begin to compare, don't we? And we're like, wow, my kids aren't that great. Or my life's not that great, right? And everybody else is doing so good. And we feel like a failure because we attach our, our worth to things or how well things turn out in our lives. And Paul, Paul figures this out in his life not to do that. And so how do we break free of the performance trap? 
And that's what we're going to look at today. How do we overcome this performance trap of attaching our identity on how well maybe our kids turn out or how good of a mom I am or how good of a dad I am or how good I am at at my job or uh, comparison trap. How do we overcome that? And Paul figured this out uh, in, in placing his identity in Christ. And so my prayer for you this morning is that this would really set some of you free this morning and that your identity and your worth would come through Christ and what he's done through you, not from what you've done in your life or haven't done, or will do in your life. Because how many know it's never enough? It's never enough, right? There's somebody that's always better, or does something better. And if our life is attached to our, if our worth is attached to what we do in our performance, uh, life is going to be pretty miserable. And Paul figured this out and finding his worth in Christ. And so um, if you've got your Bibles, let's look at this. We're, we're going through chapter by chapter, verse by verse in the book of Philippians. And we're going to look at uh, the first 11 verses of Philippians chapter 3. You can look in your Bibles. You can grab the Bibles in front of you there in the pew. I think it's on page 6, uh, 634, I think. Um, I could be totally wrong, but you can find it, Philippians chapter 3, or look up at the screens here, and um, let's see what the Word of God says, and let's see what Paul said, where he says, in, in the NIV version, it, 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 it starts the chapter in verse 3 by saying, no confidence in the flesh. And so here Paul writing to the Philippians, he has nothing really bad to write to them, he's in prison, he's just writing to them to say, Hey, I want you to continue in this good thing that God has started in your heart. Don't, don't get sidetracked. And so what Paul's going to do here in this chapter is warn them about not putting confidence in the flesh. Because there's going to be those that are going to try to saddle themselves up next to them to say, Hey, you're not doing enough as Christians. You got to do this in order to truly be a Christian. And Paul says, I'm going to warn you about these people. They're going to try to sidetrack you from running the race that Christ wants you to run, because there's going to be those that are come alongside you and saying, you're not doing enough. you got to do more. And so here's what Paul says. So Paul says, starts here in verse one. He says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in who? Rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. Now, this is what he warns them about. He says in verse 2, he says, watch out for those dogs. And we're going to talk about that because this was not a, a term of endearment, okay? Because I know today when you call someone a dog, that's, that's like cool. Like Randy Jackson, yo dog, right? That's not what we're talking about here. He says, watch out for those dogs, dogs. Those, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit, who glorify Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Verse 7. But, now that was Paul's old life. He was perfectly religious in all he did. But after Christ, he says, but 
Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for what? For the sake of who? For the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things, and I consider them rubbish, trash, garbage, that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not even a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes through God and is by, by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of the sharing and the suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Lord, just speak to our hearts today as we just dig into your word. God, I pray today that for us that feel like we're struggling, that feel like um, religion or Christianity is just too hard because we make too many mistakes or uh, God, we feel like we never measure up. God, speak to our hearts. Let us find our identity in you. Set us free from that performance trap of trying to be good in our own strength. And we thank you, Jesus, for your patience with us. We love you. We praise you. And we ask these things in your wonderful name. And all God's people said. I've noticed one thing as I watch sports is the celebration after somebody does something like a touchdown or, or, and what I'm noticing is when you make a touchdown or you make a, you know, a a score, that, that's something you should celebrate. People get excited. But I'm noticing now in sports that, um, if they even make a tackle, right, they go crazy. Like they just won the Super Bowl. Like, I'm like, Hey buddy, you're, you're making eight zillion dollars to do that very thing. Get over yourself. Right. Um, you know, and, and so, um, and I notice all these like moves people make now in, 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 um, when they make a touchdown, right? They got these little moves. How many know what the dab is? Be honest. How many just raise your hand? Every teenager should know what the dab is. All right. So uh, I'm going to teach you adults what the dab is. All right. So this is a move that, that Cam Newton does quarterback for Carolina Panthers when he makes a touchdown. Wasn't doing a lot of dabbing in the Super Bowl, okay? But anyways, well, but it's something like this. You go like this, right? My kids do it all the time. You go like this. Is that right, teenagers? Is that close? All right, so let's all do it together, right? We're all going to do the dab. One, two, three, ready? All right, you can be cool like the kids now, all right? So uh, all you adults can be cool. Adults, don't do that, okay? I'm just, just your kids, you'll embarrass your kids. Okay, uh, but there's this celebration, right? We, 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 there's this confidence in the flesh. And what Paul's saying, listen, if anyone had confidence in, in himself and his own ability, it was me. I, I was the man. I was the guy. And so Paul's saying after that, after he met uh, Christ and came to follow him, he realized that that stuff didn't matter. His, his resume uh, didn't matter. And he was putting all this confidence in himself and what he did. But he realized After he met Christ, none of that mattered. In fact, he considered it as just rubbish, as garbage in comparison to knowing what Christ did for him. And I think what Paul shares with us here is he's saying is the the greatest obstacle to knowing Christ and growing in him and spiritual growth is not some outside force. It's, it's, it's usually us. We get in the way of, of knowing God. And that's what happened to Paul. Paul's own accomplishments 
or so-called own accomplishments was actually a stumbling block from him knowing God. He was so enamored with himself and trying to be perfect and trying to do all the right things and trying to serve God that in fact, it was an obstacle from him truly knowing God in the heart of God and a stumbling block to truly knowing Christ and what Jesus Christ did for him. And so for, in order for us to, to have a correct relationship with God, to find our worth in Christ and Christ alone, we have to understand where do my abilities come from? And, and if my answer to that question is me, my abilities come from me, then, then I will have a constant struggle with putting God first in my life. And the reason why Paul struggled with truly knowing who God was and Jesus as the son of God and why he persecuted Christians is for that very reason. He thought that his abilities came from himself, that the more I do for God, the more I will know God. And, and, and it's just the opposite. And so Paul tried to be perfect in all he did, but that actually became a stumbling block from him truly knowing the heart of God, because what happened is it became a prideful thing for him. And so if, if I'm looking at my abilities come from myself, I will struggle with pride. I will struggle with who's in control of my life. I will look at my abilities and my accomplishments as a direct result of my efforts. I will put my identity and security and, and, and my emotional stability will all depend on how well I do. And Paul's life before Christ was all about his accomplishments and what he did for God. However, it wasn't for God or for his glory, but in, in, in reality, it was for Paul's own glory to make him stand out amongst everybody else who was trying to do the same thing. And so what Paul does is he addresses a major problem in the early church. And so what he does is, as he's writing the Philippians, he's saying, listen, there are going to be those that are going to try to get you and sidetrack you from knowing Christ completely. And what they're going to do is they're going to, they're going to throw these things in your path uh, to try to make you think that you've got to do more in order to be righteous with Jesus. That there's something that depends on you in order for you to know Christ in a deeper way. And so let me give you a little background here. The question was, where does my righteousness come from? And at the time, there were opponents of the gospel that said, your righteousness comes from how well you keep the law. Your righteousness comes from doing all the do's and not doing all the don'ts. This is where your righteousness comes from. So this became a, a, an attitude of works. The more I do for God, the more I keep the law and try to become perfect, this is where my righteousness comes. And these people were called the Judaizers. And the Judaizers, what they did is they kind of mixed Christianity with all the Old Testament ceremonial laws. So they said, you have to put your faith in Jesus, but you got to do all these other things. So have your faith in Christ, but you've got to do all these other things and obey all the Old Testament ceremonial laws. In order to fulfill salvation, it was a mixture of keeping the law and faith in Jesus, which would include circumcision. And so Paul, what he does is he gives a strict warning against those who boast in what they do and how they keep the law in order to be righteous. And so Paul says, listen, be careful of those. They're going to come alongside you and say, hey, 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 you didn't do enough. You didn't do enough. Yeah, you have faith in Christ, but you got to be circumcised, but you got to keep the Old Testament law. 
And so Paul had some choice words for the Judaizers. Actually, he called them dogs or mutilators of the flesh. And so calling someone a dog is not like, as I said earlier, like today. Um, It was actually ironic. The Jews would call the Gentiles dogs because they would be considered unclean to the Jew. And now Paul is turning around and calling them dogs. And so Paul says, listen, these that say that you mix works with your faith in Christ, they are actually mutilators of the flesh. This is actually a play on words with circumcision. And so to the Judaizers, this was a sign that they were different, that they were separate. It was a badge of honor. This, this idea of circumcision separated us from the Gentiles. This made us different. And they went so far to say that if you were not circumcised, you were not actually saved. That your faith in Christ was not actualized unless you do this. And so what's the problem? Well, the problem is this, Paul says. The problem is this. This requirement is no longer needed because Christ came to fulfill all the requirements of the Old Testament law. And so here's the thing. None of us are righteous within ourselves. There's 613 laws. You break one, you break them all. So, so how many of you know that trying to be perfect is meaningless? Right? Trying to be perfect is meaningless. And, and some of us, we get so angry with ourselves when we make a mistake. Why did I do that? You know why? Because you're a sinner. That's why you did it. Every single one of us are sinners. Isn't that refreshing? Aren't you glad you came to church this morning, right? We're all sinners. We all make, we're going to make mistakes, right? That's why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come for perfect people. If he was come for perfect people, he would have never came. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus came for sick people and you are all a bunch of sickos, okay? You all are, including myself. We're all sickos. We, we need help. We need a savior. And so what the Judaizers are saying is saying, hey, you, you got to keep doing these works in order to prove your righteousness. And Paul's saying, wait a minute, time out. Jesus was perfect in every way. He was God. He came to fulfill all the things that we couldn't fulfill ourselves. And so what Paul is saying, don't put your identity in some outward thing that makes you think that you are righteous. So what we do is we say things like, if we're not careful, because we, we can say, oh, okay, the Judaizers, they were bad, right? But we can do the same thing as Christians. That we put a lot of stock in what we don't do, right? And if we're not careful, like we, we all know that we shouldn't do certain things because we know sin is right there and it can harm us and it can keep us walking close with Jesus and it can, it, it can pull us away from that loving relationship that Christ wants, wants us to have because we, we know sin is fun for a time, but in the end it leads to what? It leads to, it leads to destruction, right? And so we know that. And so the problem is when I begin to put my trust in what I don't do, like look at me, I don't do this and I don't do that, I start to depend on myself and I'm no different than the Judaizers. And so Paul's saying, listen, guys, listen, be, be, be careful of them. Be careful of them because they're going to, the Judaizers are going to tell us, hey, you, if you're not circumcised, then, 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 then you're not truly righteous and you haven't completed salvation. And so, 
And so we understand in the Old Testament that circumcision was required for every male Jew, and it was a sign of the covenant God made with Abraham. But what was the problem? Well, this requirement is no longer needed because Christ ends up fulfilling all this. Jesus is now our righteousness. And so the Judaizers were saying, your righteousness depends on doing this certain thing. And I think today, many people feel the same way about church. That, that what the Judaizers were doing is they were putting this demand on people to say, if you don't do this, you're not really saved. And I think for a lot of people, they think that way about church. They think, in order for me to come to church or to, to, to come to Christ, I've got to change all this stuff in my life. I remember talking to one guy, and um, he said, hey, you go to that Living Word church? I go, yeah, I go there. It's a pretty cool church. Got a great pastor, good preacher. You got to go. Um, he didn't know who I was. <laughs> and so he goes, um, he goes, yeah, I'll go when I get a suit. I got to get a suit. I said, well, suits aren't required at our church. You don't have to have a suit. You can just come as you are. We just, we just want you to just come and come. Oh, oh, really? So I was just eliminating all this guy's excuses, right? He goes, well, you know, there's some things I need to clean up in my life. I said, hey, we're living where we are so dysfunctional at our church. We all got problems. Actually, we're, we're all sickos. So you're welcome here. Come on. You know, and see, his mindset was, I have to first do before I can come. Before I can come to Christ. I, I, I have to. Is that why Jesus came? Did Jesus say, hey, hey, guys, y'all first got to clean yourselves up and then I'll come? No, the Bible tells us in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrates his love towards us, that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. So Jesus says, listen, you come just as you are. But the Jews are saying, no, you can't come just as you are. You got to do this one other thing. Then you can come. And so it would be the same for me as telling someone, hey, um, you can come to church but you got to wear a suit. You got to stop doing this. You got to stop doing that. You got to stop doing this. And then you can come to church, right? This would be ridiculous. Jesus says, come just as you are with all your mistakes, with all your sins. You come, let me change you. And so what Paul does here, he tells them that true righteous, the true righteous ones, the true righteous ones, are not the ones that depend on what they've done. It's not some religious thing they're going through. It's not all the, the don'ts that they don't do. The true righteous one worships by the spirit of God through Christ Jesus and puts no confidence in their flesh. In fact, puts no confidence in their so-called righteous works. See, th th this would be the same as me telling you that you have to stop doing this and stop doing that in order to come to Christ. I think of it this way. God is perfect and he is holy and he is righteous. Now, for me to tell God, um, God, I'm going to try to do this in my own strength and, and I'm going to try to stop doing these things. In, in comparison to God, my righteous works are meaningless to God, right? Because he's perfect. And he's looking at me going, okay, you're going to try to stop doing all this stuff and think that you're going to get closer to me. It's not going to happen. You will fall short every single time because I'm God and I'm perfect and I'm holy. And you're thinking by you stop doing a couple little things 
that you're going to try to approach me in your own strength and your own good works. Are you kidding me? It would be the same as me trying to go to Bill Gates, who's a, who's a billionaire, multi, multi-billionaire, and trying to buy him a gift that he's going to like or that, he has ne- or that he couldn't purchase on his own, right? It would be ridiculous. It would be like, what do you buy Bill Gates? What does he doesn't? What, what can't he buy, right? It'd be ridiculous. For me to try to come to God and my good works is ridiculous because he's perfect, So God says, listen, stop trying to do it in your own strength. Stop relying on yourself. Come to Christ. He's the one that's perfect. He's the one that's done everything for you. And so the Judaizers were saying, you have to first do this before you can be saved. First become this and then observe the law. And what this became, it became a huge stumbling block for many people. You see, salvation doesn't come by observing the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus and by God's grace alone. See, the purpose of the law was to point to us that we have fallen short of God's perfection. Now, when I come to Christ and I'm saved by God's grace alone and I put my faith in Christ Jesus, what begins to happen now is I want to do good things for Christ, not because they save me, but because I want to please God now. My identity is now not in the things that I don't do or the things that I do do. My identity now is in Christ. I'm like, man, the way I used to live my life and the things that I used to, ah, I don't really desire to do those things anymore because I know that they're not glorifying God. Not because they saved me or because um, these are things that I can hang my hat on to say, look how good I am. But now it becomes a different relationship, doesn't it? It becomes a relationship now of, man, I want to please the Lord. I don't want to disappoint him because of all the things he's done for me. And so now I don't want to do those things that I used to do because I know those are the things that led me away from God, not draw me closer to my relationship with Christ. Not because it makes me more righteous, because only Christ can make me righteous. But now I want to live my life in this, in this relationship with Jesus that glorifies him. And I want my life to glorify him. And I don't want to live for myself anymore. I don't want to do the things I used to do because I know that it would hurt my relationship with Jesus. Do you see the difference? And that's what God desires. And that's what Paul was warning the Philippian church. Don't get caught up with these Judaizers that are trying to throw these works in front of you. And so what, what happens is the reason why this teaching was so dangerous, the teaching of the Judaizers was so dangerous, is, is this teaching makes me trust my works and not in Jesus' righteousness. And, and this, is, this is huge for every single one of us that feel like a failure today. Because we can falsely believe that because I go to church or because I, I went through these certain religious activities, that I'm all set. And we have to realize there's nothing that I can do. There's no righteous thing that I can do in my own strength that can ever save me aside from me putting my faith in Christ Jesus and trusting God's grace. Be be careful of trusting your works, no matter how righteous they may be, because they will fall short and they will be incomplete to salvation. You see, Paul said, if anyone had reason to brag, it was Paul. If anyone had reason to brag about his works for God, it was Paul. He said he was blameless when it came to the law. His pedigree was spotless. He was prideful in how perfect he kept 
the law. Basically, Paul was the Steph Curry, the LeBron James of the Hebrews. He was the top gun. He was the top guy. And he knew it. And, and he let everybody know it. And he bragged about it. But here's the thing Paul says. And Paul wasn't saying that to brag about himself. He was saying that to say what a big mistake he made by trusting in his own flesh. And so Paul says, after I came to Christ, everything changed. So what mistake did Paul make? Well, he thought that his power, prestige, righteousness was to his gain. He mistakenly thought that his works for God were righteous acts, but contrary. They were self-righteous acts. They were to his benefit to make him look good in front of others. Paul says, now I count them as lost. I put all the things I did before Christ in the lost column. Paul couldn't see before he came to Christ how Christ dying on the cross was for his gain. He first saw that as a loss, but now Paul considers everything he did in the past a loss. Nothing we can do can ever compare to what Jesus did for us. And I think one of the biggest lies that we can believe is this, that my righteousness comes from my good works. Oh, if you can just get this in your mind, it will set you free. Your your righteousness does not come from your good works. If you can get this, it'll help you from feeling like a failure. Because this, this, this statement has set me free. This statement has set me free because, because how many of us know when we do good things, it makes you feel good. That's why we do good things, right? Because it makes you feel good. I, I feel good if I go to church or if I read my Bible. Uh, those things are fine and we should do them. We, we should do good things. Are you ready? But that doesn't prove your righteousness. No, pastor, Really? then why do I do them, <laughs> right? If they don't prove my righteousness or make me righteous, apart from God, they, they are not righteous acts. Man, pastor, it's Mother's Day. Be nice. Okay, now, here, here's what it, 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 For some reason, we think that God has some huge checklist in heaven and he's keeping score. Um, how many of you love to complete tasks? You are a, a, you are a check offer. You love to check things off. How many are like that? Just be honest. Okay, good. There's a lot of you, a lot of you checker offers out there. Okay. Now, um, I am not a checker offer person per se. I like to complete tasks, but I'm not necessarily that checker. Now, in, 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 in the office, um, we have an app that we use. It's called Wonderlist. How many know what Wonderlist is? Okay, I'm, just, I'm about to give you something, ladies, all right, that your husbands are going to hate. But let me talk about it for just a minute, okay? Now, what a Wonderlist is this? It's an app that you can sync with other people. And, and what's neat about this is it's all tasks. And what you can do is, is you can add to-do lists to other people. <laughs> Woo! I just, it, we just had a revival in this place right now. Okay, so it's, it's a free app, okay? Every guy in this place is going to kill me after the service. But anyways, 
So what you do is you can add to the other person's list. And then when they're done and they check off the list, there's a, there's a response that's sent to you that lets you know that they completed the task. So in the office, we have this between us uh, just to help us when we need to do tasks and finish things and remind ourselves. And, and, and Pastor Mike just, he hyperventilates over this thing. He loves it. He's just that very organized. And <laughs> loves it, right? Just crazy over this wonderless thing. Now, here's the thing. Wives love it. Husbands hate it, right? Because it's basically a honeydew list. So if you both get it, so I, I was talking to one husband. He says, I ain't getting the app. He says to his wife, you can get it. I ain't get it because I don't want to hear you. Because it like dings and everything when you have a thing. So you get in your phone. Man, there's another wonderless thing I got to check out. But it is good. It helps us. But when you do that, for some reason, here's my point. I got off track. But here's the thing. When, when you do complete, you can check it off. And it makes you feel good because you checked off that task, right? Because it makes you feel good. You got, you got, for those of you that are checker offers, you love it because you've got another task that's done and you can move on to the next one. Ja, 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 right? The problem is, Wonderless is always staring you in the face. There's always another task that you have to check off, right? And here's the thing that I think if we take that mentality in with our relationship with Christ, if we don't realize that our righteousness comes from Christ and Christ alone, if we think that my righteousness comes from my works, there's always going to be another thing you have to check off. That's good. And I think for some of you, the reason why you feel so defeated in your walk with Christ or the reason why you maybe gave up your walk with God is because you treat your walk with God like Wonderlist. You, 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 you can look at Wonderlist and you can look at all, they'll have it in the app, all the things that you completed, all the checkpoints. You're like, wow, I got a lot done this week. Yes, right? And if we're not careful... We can treat our walk with God like Wonderlist, where it's a checklist of all the things that I need to, to change. And, and Listen, we all need to change. We all have character flaws. They're all things that we need to work on. But if I'm trying to please God through my righteousness, that I feel it's through my works, I'm going to miss a vital relationship that Jesus Christ has with me that says, no, 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 pardon. Your righteousness doesn't come through your works. Don't start feeling good about yourself. Don't start feeling good that you've done all these things and you think, "Woo, look how good I'm doing, right? And then the next day we make a mistake, right? And then we sink back down because our identity is in our checklist, not in our relationship with Christ. And some of you need to hear that this morning. Your righteousness is from Christ. Whether or not you make a mistake tomorrow or next week or today, it doesn't change your standing in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good? Your identity is in Christ. Hmm. My spiritual life is not a checklist. It's not, I feel better about myself when I check things off and I feel bad about myself when I'm not doing what I should be doing. 
My righteousness doesn't come from how many things I've checked off. Now, here's the good news. The good news is this. For all of us who feel like a failure or for those who feel like they haven't done enough or for those who feel like their past is unforgivable, for the mom and the dad who feel like a failure because maybe their kids didn't turn out the way they thought they should, This is where Paul found his identity in Christ and not in his accomplishments. Christ loves and accepts me even though things didn't turn out the way I thought. Christ loves and accepts me even though my children may have made mistakes in their lives. And Paul says, don't depend on your flesh. When he talks about the flesh, it it refers to what a person is outside of Christ. So let me wrap this up because I want to give you a couple scriptures here that I, I hope will help you and set you free. Paul, in Galatians chapter 2, has some good stuff to say here. And let me let me just read you what Paul says in Galatians chapter 2. And this is where he found his identity. Because for Paul. Once again, he was the best at what he did before Christ. And he says, man, I count that as loss because my righteousness does not come from my works. It comes from Christ and Christ alone. And this is what he says in Galatians 2.20. He says this. This is such good words. Listen, listen closely. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My identity is not in my past. My identity is not in my failures. My identity is not in my accomplishments. My identity is in Christ who loves me. Period. I've died to myself. I've died to my accomplishments. I've died to my failures. And now Christ lives in me And that is what my identity is now. Those things can never satisfy me any longer. They are short-lived, short-sighted, and they will never make me feel worthy. Only Christ can make me feel worthy about myself. Now, Paul understood that true worth comes from Christ. Day by day, he walked with Christ. He trusted God He casted his cares upon Christ. When I delight myself in the promises of God, my heart is content and happy. And so what I want to do is we just close and we we close in song today. I want to give you three passages of scripture and I want you to write these down because I want you to, um, to make these things, make these three scriptures a thing where you, they, they are so ingrained in your heart that it becomes a point of memorization for you. Because when you, when you feel like a failure and you feel like, um, man, I messed up again, or is, is God mad at me because I made this mistake? Um, I want you to come back to the promises of God and anchor your identity in Jesus and him alone. And this is where your worth will come from. And this is where you will gain your peace. And I just want to give you a couple here. These are probably my three. These are my three favorite. So I'm going to give them to you. But here here are my three favorite, favorite promises of God. There's so many, but 
these are probably one of my top tens. But I want to give these to you because these are an anchor for my, my soul. Um, I go back to this verse in Romans 8, 35 through 39 when I feel insecure. Um, when, when I feel that need to impress others, right? When I feel that need that I got to prove something to somebody else about my worth by whatever, right? Whatever I, whatever I, I share. When I feel like I've got to impress other people, I come back to this verse. And I'm saying, Lord, don't, don't let me go there because I know that's not my worth. Romans 8, 35 through 39, I love this. Here's what Paul says. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, nakedness or danger or sword? It is written, for your sake we face, face death all day long. We are considered as sheep led to the slaughter. No, in all things we are what? More than conquerors. Through him who, apologies that word again, loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. There's a word again, the love of God that is in who? Christ Jesus, our Lord. So here's the reminder of God's promise for you to put your worth in him. I am secure in God's love for me. I don't need to impress others to get them to like me. I am secure. This is what Paul's saying. I am secure in God's love for me and I don't need to impress others. I don't need to do that any longer. I used to do that. Paul used to do that, but I've died to that. I've died to that because it, it, it may work for five minutes and then I walk away empty again, right? I'm secure in God's love for me. Deuteronomy 31.6. Here's God's word to Israel as they're going into the promised land. And for Joshua, as he succeeds Moses, here's the word of the, here's the, word of the Lord. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He, here it is, here's the promise. Are you ready? He will never what? Leave you nor forsake you. Here's the promise. Thank you, Ruth. She's with me this morning. Listen, 31.6. What does it say? I'll never leave you or forsake you. I never have to feel abandoned. No matter what others may do, God will not leave me. And I don't have to compromise my standards for that. I never have to feel abandoned again or feel alone or feel that God would leave me because I made a mistake. My worth is in Christ and what he's done for me. Not a checklist to make sure that my good outweighs my bad. My righteousness comes from Christ and Christ alone. That's my confidence. And then I have a Savior who forgives and heals and forgives me of all my unrighteousness. I never have to feel abandoned. 
And then the last one, I love this one, I love this one, and, and we're going we're gonna to really dive into this verse next week because we're going to overcome anxiety and worry and fret next week. Come, it's good. I'm preaching to myself next week. So if I'm the only one that shows up, I'll preach to myself because I need to hear this all the time. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Listen, here's, here's, here's the promise. I don't have to worry because God will take care of me. And here's what, here's what Paul says. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by what? Prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in who? Christ Jesus. I don't have to worry. God will take care, care of me. Here are the three promises. Here's where our worth is. It's not in my works. My righteousness does not come from my works. It comes from Christ. Here's the promises. I'm in, because of that, because of Christ's righteousness, because of what he's done for me, I am now securing God's love for me. I will never have to feel abandoned and I never have to worry. Man, that's good. So for those of you here today that just feel like you never measure up, or those of you that base your your righteousness in your works and you're a wonderless type of person, your security is in Christ, in Christ alone. So may you find freedom in that today. Put your faith in him. I am now secure in Christ. God knows my frailties. God knows my shortcomings. God knows my sins. But yet he still loves me. Go figure. Right? And so for those of you, he says, come to me and lay those things down and let me heal you. Let me heal you of your past. Let me heal you of your failures. Let Christ do that. And then when that begins to happen, now my life, I want to please God. I don't want to sin anymore. I don't want to do the things that would harm my relationship with Christ because I'm grateful for what Jesus did for me because I don't have to prove anything to him or anybody else. Jesus does it all for us. So I want to pray for you this morning. And, um, you know, here's the thing. As we just close in, in... song today um, I would just tell you this morning just to allow for, for maybe you're here today and um, Mother's Day is not a good day maybe for some of you it's a reminder of things in your past um, but I'm here to tell you that Christ is a good healer he's a perfect healer and maybe some of you here today, you just, man, you say, Pastor, I'm, I'm here because somebody asked me to come and, and I'm not real fond of church because of things that happened in my past or whatever. You have bad memories or whatever. And here's what I want to share with you this morning. Come to Christ and let him heal you all that stuff. Find your worth in him and him alone. He's perfect in every way. So, Lord, as we just bow our heads before you today, 
Lord, I just pray you'd forgive us from trusting in our own righteousness. Our righteousness, our righteousness is, is filthy rags to you, God. May we find our righteousness in Christ and Christ alone and his righteousness and what he's done for us. Thank you for your forgiveness today. And I pray for every single person here today that you would just bring your healing and um, bring your care to them today, Jesus, as we find ourselves in you. Thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you that I don't have to prove anything to anyone anymore. That, Jesus, you're my identity now. That I find my worth in you and you alone now. And, God, I pray that that would bring healing and uh, Lord, the change that are on people's hearts today would be broken through those wonderful words of Christ. Thank you for healing us today. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. And we just ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's stand this morning. I love this song we're going to sing. And uh, sing the words with us. And let's just... Thank Jesus for what he's done in our heart. God bless you.